Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. I've got to tell you that our next guest really is a hero and certainly through the kind of challenges that he's experienced. We actually had him on the show um, in 2019, um, Howard Butler, and uh, he's joining us again because he is doing phenomenal things. So Howard is the Managing Director and Head of Research and Development at Cancer Heroes, which is a support group for head and neck cancer, HNC, and he is a cancer warrior. So he's had seven recurring incidents of cancer in nine years since he was diagnosed, 72 sessions of radiation through his head and neck area, 12 months of chemotherapy. So he's been through it. He he knows what it's all about. He knows what it is to live with pain, to live with uncertainty, to live with a prognosis from a doctor who says, get your orders, get your um, affairs in order because you don't have much time. And here he is nine years later, and he is the managing director and head of research at um, yeah, Cancer Hero. So we're so delighted to have Howard Butler back on the show, just to tell us about the amazing things that he's doing and share a little bit of his story um, and catch us up for those of you who weren't um, listening in all the way back in 2019. Howard, welcome. So wonderful to have you back on the show. Thanks, Nikki. It's awesome to be back again. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. So Howard Butler is our first guest on the show today. As I said, he's the managing director and head of research at um, de- uh, research and development at Cancer Heroes, which is a support group for head and neck cancer. And he's a cancer warrior. You know, April is oral head and neck. Cancer Awareness Month. Um, So Howard, all the way back in 2012, June 2012, you returned from a trip um, in Botswana and you woke up and you couldn't breathe. Just take us, our audience through, if you can, quite quickly through this incredible journey um, over the past nine years. Yes, thanks. Yeah, it's it's been an amazing journey, and and it's been the best time and the worst time of my life. I can I can just put it in the, in those few words. But yes, it, it all started with um, issues surrounding um, I would say um, acute sinusitis. Um, I was yeah, when I got sick, I would cough up blood, and you know all kinds of funny little things were happening for a long period. And then, like you said, that that time when I went to to Botswana and I came back. And I literally woke up that, that next morning and, and I couldn't breathe. My nose, my nose was blocked. You know, it felt like someone sitting on my chest, it, you know, like someone strangling me. It was the weirdest sensation. And then I decided, you know, this is, this is not going to work. And, and um, I went and I, I spoke to a friend and they said to me, no, I need to go and see a specialist as quick as possible. And that's when I went to see our dear friend, uh, Dr. Friedman, and um, who, who is now officially an adopted wimpy of mine. Um, so he, he's an adopted uncle of mine and um, and uh, yes and 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 he was able to to determine that I had a I had a tumor that was really it was really big but it was hidden behind everything in my face so it wasn't it didn't it wasn't very uh, easily uh, um, seen by you know the doctors that were looking at me so the GPs were looking at me and they were going you know you're battling with uh, sinus you know, stop smoking you know, get a bit more exercise and things like that. And those were the, the, the kind of prognosis that they gave me. And 
but this this tumor was just growing and growing in the back of my of my nasal cavities behind everything and and what it was doing was it was actually breaking my um my, my cheekbone oh and my that's goodness. what was causing this unbelievable pain in my sinuses and and eventually well that's where it got to that stage where this was so big it was pressing against everything from the back that it was actually stopping me from being able to breathe properly and and that's where you know where it ended up now you know after all these years we've tried to figure out how long this took and some of the some of the uh, um the team the multidisciplinary team that 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 worked on me over the years like um uh, Dr. Friedman and, and Professor Dondi at, at St. Anon College and that, you know, we spoke about it and we said, you know, probably that was growing there for many, many years. So probably even five to 10 years before it got to that stage where it was literally breaking the bone. Wow. And, and so, you know, that was, that was a change in, in my approach to this whole, the whole, how can I say, journey of cancer. And I took it as purely as an experience and how I must uh, deal with this as an experience and what does it mean to me? And that's when it started. And um, I didn't blame anybody for it. I didn't fight with anybody for it, luckily. Um, and, and that's where it started. And then um, we did extremely heavy um, radiotherapy and um, um, chemotherapy. And uh, Professor Dondi and I, we've spoken at a couple of uh, um, conferences and that together. And, and the last one we spoke at, um, before um, COVID hit, the big joke was was that um, uh, he, he he spoke after me and he said, "Yeah, he was the nice guy. He gave me three months to live," you know. So, sure. so that's kind of like a little joke between us. But but yeah, that's how serious it was. So it got to a point where it was literally so life threatening that that some of the doctors that were working on me, um, that first uh, cancer that I had, they didn't even think I would make uh, three months. You know, they thought I'd it. It was too bad, and you know, by by the you know, I don't know, I don't know what we how we want to put it, but you know, we we made it through it, and wow. then the journey started on a whole lot of different fronts. Now, I must say, I had an awesome team. I had there's a team of about seven different doctors in different disciplines that assisted me, and they made it possible for you and I to be speaking today. Because if, if it wasn't for that. I would literally not be speaking today. And then there's a father that we also have to thank because if, if it wasn't for him, we'd also not be sitting here. That's also 100% true. So, sure. so that's, 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 you know, the, the basis of it. And then the we knew that we would get recurring incidents and the recurring incidents did happen. So I'm just going to go through them very quickly. So I had parotid in my, um, you know, my, uh, your saliva glands, the salivary glands. Then I had base of brain, which was the secondary part of, of the big tumor, because there was obviously, you know, it's like taking sticky tape off something. There's always a little bit of sticky tape left over. And mm -hmm. some of that was left over when the tumor left the bottom of, of, of that area. And then I had on my right lung and on my spine, in the middle of my spine. And then I had a three and a half centimeter tumor next to my pituitary gland, which switched, switched off my right eye. And we, we radiated through there and, and somehow we got my right eye to switch on again, and, and which is a miracle in itself. And that worked really well. And then the last thing that I had in 2019 was a tumor um, between C3 and C4 in my spinal cord. And 
once again, we radiated that and we did a lot of chemo on that and we got it out. And, and yeah, and, and that's, that's where I'm sitting today, you know. Wow, and, Howard. What, what, what a story. What a journey. Yeah. So, so I, I want to go back a little bit because, and I think this is a very important point, and I know that you are very passionate about this point because you have said that earlier detection would have changed so much of your journey. And you've 100%. said, and, and, and I've looked at, I've looked at the symptoms of head and neck cancer and something like this persistent problem with, with uh, sinuses, coughing blood, inability to, to breathe. You know, if you do drink, if you do smoke, obviously you've got a higher risk. So, and, and you couldn't see anything. So it's not as if you were picking up a lump here and a lump there, but persistent symptoms, persistent things that take place, pains or illnesses that, you know, you try and take the medication, but it doesn't go away. It seems to come back. You're saying, and, and it's a very important message. These could be, these, we don't want to live. We don't want to be neurotic, but they could be warning no. signs and don't overlook them. No, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, um, even, you know, when we, when we do early detection and we, we do talks and things on this, you know, we try and make people understand that, you know, it's not, and nothing against Google, but it's not a Google, Dr. Google, Google thing where, you, you know, if we say that if you're, let's say, for instance, you have constant nosebleeds or you have, like you said, you're coughing up blood or, you know, heavy sinusitis, don't go onto the internet and then go and read that now, you, you know, you're going to die tomorrow because that's not the case. Those things could be, like you say, it could be starting points for something that that is bad that could lead to that cancer. So I always take the, the step with my friends even. Um, I say to them, if you go to the doctor for sinus, for instance, right, and you've got acute sinus, and yes, they give you, um, let's say they give you cortisone and they give you some antibiotics and everything like that, and it goes away, and in two, three weeks' time, it comes back again. And this starts happening as a regular thing. I believe that it's time for you to go and see a specialist in that area. Because then an ENT will look at it different to your GP. And they will have the tools then to be able to determine whether it's good or bad. It might be something very simple that's actually not bad. you know. And, but it could be something really bad like what mine was. My problem with mine was, was that the, that was the thing. They gave me drugs that made it feel better. And we thought, okay, well, it's gone and you know, it's fine. And then, but then it came back and came back and came back. But the other thing is the blood tests that they did on me, um, because that specific cancer that I had does not show up in blood tests. Um, they would do um, you know, cancer markers and things like that. And they wouldn't find it. And they say, okay, no, you're all fine. There's no cancer. However, head and neck is different. So you've got to go and look at it from a different perspective and say, okay, if these things continuously happen to me, maybe I should go and see someone you know, that specializes in that area. And, and that's what we keep saying to people. You know? And like you say, don't freak out. It's, you know, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but you know, take that step and go and look at it from a different angle. That's all. Mm, yeah. yeah. Howard, we're going to take a quick break. After the break, let's chat about what you're doing now. Um, you know, Head of Research and Development and the Managing Director at Cancer Heroes. Tell us a little about Cancer Heroes and what you guys are up to. Quick break. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 
Welcome back to the show. This is The Deal Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. And I have on the show today Howard Butler, who's the Managing Director and Head of Research and Development at Cancer Heroes, which is a support group for head and neck cancer. He's also a cancer warrior because April is Oral Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Month. So Howard, before the break, was sharing his story, um, being diagnosed in 2019, having a range of different cancers, going for chemotherapy, radiotherapy. And so Howard, also realizing that you had so much privilege on your side, that you could have this incredible team of doctors, that um, if it was someone else who wasn't in your position, they wouldn't be able to get through what you got through just simply because of the support and the kind of treatment that you had access to. And so this initiated the, I think this is what initiated the formation of Cancer Heroes. Am I correct? Yes, that played a huge role in it. Absolutely. So tell us, tell us, what is Cancer Heroes all about? Okay, so in back in in the early days of, of so there were there were two two foundations that we started. The one was Face Value Foundation, and the other one eventually became Cancer Heroes, um, specifically for head and neck cancers. The reason being was, you know, ten years ago, if you you couldn't find much information anywhere on on head and neck cancers, it wasn't well known at all, and so, so that is why we decided, you know, we need to we need to get information out there because it is it is real and it was it was growing and, and, and at an enormous rate and that's that's really how we started and what happened was uh, Professor Dale House, um, who's now head of uh, um, uh, prothodontics at Sydney University, by the way, him and I we started the first side with the uh, um, with the head and neck side, which was face value, and then. We uh, about a year or two later, we changed it into Cancer Heroes because what happened was we there were a lot of people from a whole lot of different ranges of illnesses in that region that that wanted to be part of this uh, part of the group and 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 then it, it became that and also because there were there were two two guys that were with us in our support group. Um, I used to call him Uncle Woody and um, and and uh, Ian Lucas. And, uh, you know, they were passionate about the, the, the Cancer Heroes name. And um, so that's really how we then kept on to Cancer Heroes and, and became that. So, so through that, we, we, we joined the Cancer Alliance and started, you know, entering the, 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 the mainstream of the cancer foundations across South Africa in that field and then focused on specifically on head and neck cancers to assist you know, from the hospitals to corporate and, and that, that whole uh, approach. And that's really where we, where we were on that. And that's the kind of thing, you know, like you say, if I was in, and I think I've said it a million times, I, you know, if, if I got diagnosed when I was staying in the free state, I don't believe I would have survived this. I don't. Um, I think the, the, the team and the level of uh, um, support and from the medical to the support systems, from um, everything from rehab to the, the people that were doing uh, speech therapy, the people that were doing everything from the therapy to loosen up my spinal cord after radiation, all that kind of thing, it assisted me tremendously to get to this point. And, and that's the, the, the good part of it, which allows mm-hmm. me now to be able to put that passion into a different world to help people that don't 
have access to that and 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 really change you know at least change that approach instead of trying to go and start a new uh, medical company that does that no it doesn't yeah. work like that yeah. um it you know let's look at it from a different angle again you know you know, Howard, um, you talk about in the early stages, you were saying already you were looking at starting these foundations, the two foundations. And I'm so curious because, I mean, you've really had a, a tough time. You've, you've been told three times that you were going to die. You've been paralyzed for a period of time. Your one eye switched off, excruciating pain. You talk about taking six tremor sets a day just to get through the pain, right? So when you're going through this, you can shrink within to yourself because you want to survive. You want to, you want to, you know, use your energy properly. You don't, you, I I mean, I'm just trying to project how I would deal with this and I can't possibly project how I would deal with this, but that's what you're doing. You just want to minimize everything. And yet you did the opposite for you. It was about reaching out and helping others. And how is it possible when you're going through so much and it's not just what you think is going to happen in this future, but physically in this moment, the, extreme excruciating pain the fear of not working walking the fear of not being able to see how where did that come from to go i want to help other people i'm a ginger kid <laughs> oh is that it i was joking about that one you know we we, we were at a we had a dinner the other day and a friend of mine said to me how many friends you guys said i don't know i don't I can't tell you. He says, I oh, don't have any friends. I'm like, why? He says, because you're too positive about everything. I'm like, really? You really want to look at it that way? Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I think I think the biggest thing was, was that, that when I was diagnosed, the first, first thing that I realized that it was my experience and that I had to deal with it. I had a you know, I had a very bad experience with my mother previously where she was diagnosed with cancer and she fought with everybody and she blamed God for it. And she, you know, she, it was a really bad, how can I say, experience with it. What yeah. I did was I said, no, it's, it's my experience in this lifetime. It was given to me and I'm going to deal with it. Now, one of two things, either you're going to live with it and you're going to get through it, or you're going to decide this is what, what kills you. Yes. And, and like I said, you know, we, we've, had, we've had patients with us and, and support group members that said to me, they said to me, you know, okay, this is the thing that's going to end it for me. And it ended them, you know, but it, and, and some of them didn't even pass away from the, the cancer. They passed away from heart attacks and things like that long before even the cancer would have killed them because they decided that's what it was. And I decided from, you know, right in the beginning, my experience, and I'm not going to let this uh, um, destroy me and you know what I'm you know my life at that stage and I was going to accept that and I was going to look for the best way to get through it personally and for those people around me and and that's when I started looking at okay how do I how do I look at what I'm doing on that specific day and what does it mean right so something something really simple like for instance now we're going to to chemotherapy at Santon and I'm on my way there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here. And they put this drug into me and mm-hmm. I go, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, break my head about it because that thing is there to help me. Obviously we've gone through this whole discussion with the doctors and we know what it is. So I'm going to look and see 
how do I approach this needle going into my arm with this big bag of stuff coming out? And how's it going to help me? Okay. And I focused on those little things first, because what everybody else around you does is they warn you, they say, chemotherapy is so bad for you, and it's going to make your hair fall out, it's going to do this. And no, if you focus on those things first, those things become minor things along that, that road. So it's, you know, those little, it's those little strips in the, in the train line that go bump, bump every now and then. Those are those little things. And the rest becomes a journey that you can handle. If you focus on those things all the time, then they become a negative uh, a basis for you to start your day. And, and that was, was the first thing that I did. And then I started looking at, okay, now I've got past my mind from saying, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. It's an experience that you're going to experience. And then looking at all the little ways to make it better along that journey. So that was really how I was able to actually get there and get through them. And after the, I would say after the second, the second cancer that I had, right, my mind actually changed. What happened was I then determined, okay, so I will then utilize what I experience to help other people. So, and I worked on a thing where I said to, and, and believe me, once again, all my friends, they know the story. I have to help at least one person a day. That's my <laughs> goal. I must help at least one person a day. If I don't help one person a day, then to me, I've not done what I'm supposed to. And I won't say I failed, but I've not done what I'm supposed to. But if I help more than one person a day, that's a bonus. And that's really what it is. So all those little things and the tricks of the trade of, of getting through the cancer therapies and you know, the pain management and all these things, those experiences then became tools in, in my toolbox to help people around me and, and whoever it is from whichever walk of life, wherever they are. And it even then rolled out to other uh, um, illnesses like glaucoma. I found out that the pain and, 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 and that, that I went through when my eyes switched off, patients that go through glaucoma have a similar, they don't have the same thing, but they have a similar effect on their eyes where the pain is so tremendous because the, the, the nerves of the eye are being literally being squashed. When they, and so the pain is unbelievable. So I have an, an, an understanding of, of that kind of level of pain and I understand how they manage it and things like that. So I could actually help someone. And, and there was a young guy, well, I think I told you the story long ago when they were putting in the fiber in our house, there was a youngster who had lost his eye to that. And he saw me with a patch on and he asked me what was going on. And I told him, and, and then he explained to me his situation with, with losing his eye to glaucoma. And, and those are the, the values of, of going through all those different therapies and the different cancers that I had. And, and that, was, that was the benefit to, um, to me to be able to have those tools to help other people around me. That's really what it was. And sure, how today. It's, you know, it's, it's incredibly humbling listening to you. I think you're hugely inspirational. You are a beautiful human being. Um, and that, you know, that kind of your mantra is, let me help at least one person every single day. Can you imagine the world we would live in if everybody walked around saying just one person today, let me help one person. And the fact that you've taken your pain and your struggles and your near death experiences and everything that goes with it, and you're using it as a tool to help others. 
again, I'm going to say hugely inspiring. And I, and I love that we can share this time, that you can share the story. And there are people who are listening right now who are inspired by what you're saying, Howard. There are people who started listening to the show who were feeling hopeless and who were feeling like they're in this dark space and you've shone a light. And I, I just, you know, the world is filled with amazing, incredible people. And we're so lucky to be able to bring these people onto the show. And clearly you are one of them. So right at the beginning, you said, you know, the last nine years have been the best and worst um, time of your life. I, I, I hear why you say when you first said best, I went oh, best, but I hear you. I hear you to take your pain and to help others. So how would I, I, we, it is, we have run out of time and I am going to say goodbye, but very, very quickly, um, the cancer heroes, you know, is if people want to get hold of you, if people want to find out more, how, how do they do that? Well, we do, we do have a, um, a, a Facebook page and then also we've got a website that's it's cancer-heroes.com and people can send us uh, you know stories or, or requests and, and and things like that online there and and we've got a we've got access to a, a lovely team we've got access to doctors we've got access to support people we've got access to all kinds of uh, um, support systems for them and then uh, we can see how to slot them in in the correct place to, to make that journey easier for them and and to make it more manageable for them as well as their families by the way um, which is a which is a big a big thing that a lot of people miss sometimes you know it's important to give your family support as well Thank you, Howard. Uh, I'm just looking very quickly that the, you've got these education initiatives as well, early detection campaigns, raising public awareness through media campaigns, research, training, treatment and rehab support, partnering with affiliates such as other cancer organizations, partnering with healthcare facilities, care agencies, and, and so people can be in touch with you. That's super, Howard. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for bringing beautiful light um, to the show today. We appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks so much and appreciate it so much. And God bless everybody during this time. And you guys keep safe and warm. Yeah. Thank you, Howard. God bless you too. And here's to only good health.